Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. Before we begin, a little housekeeping. I've mentioned it before, but I want to highlight that on ResilientDisciples.com and at Awana.org, we've consolidated the resources we've been creating to help you, the disciple maker, as you continue to minister to the children in your life. You can check out those links in the show notes, but even just for me, I would love to see what resilient child discipleship looks like in your life. I would encourage you to connect with us on social media. We're all sharing our stories and our testimonies about what God is up to right now, as we are all sharing the hope of the gospel to a world that, especially right now, could use some more hope. Today, we're going to do something a little different. Sam Luce is a children's pastor in New York, but he's also a thought leader who is passionate about child discipleship and regularly having conversations that we believe could be beneficial to you and your context. You can learn more about Sam via his website, which is also linked in the show notes. But Matt Markins recently had a conversation with Sam about the current state of children's ministry and how our current metrics of success need to be updated to raise resilient disciples. You may feel like you're a church leader without a building right now, but I want to remind you that you're preparing the children in your life to lead the church of 2050 and beyond. And I hope that every one of these podcast episodes are helping you do that. So here is Matt Markins starting the conversation with Sam Luce, episode 25 of the Resilient Disciples podcast. All right, Sam, I am so excited about our time together. Uh, I have uh, engaged with you through social media and followed you very closely uh, for many years. And I have to say, you are one of the most brilliant uh, minds within the children's ministry realm. And it is a huge honor and privilege to be able to get some time with you today. So welcome to the Resilient Disciples podcast. Hey, thanks. I'm honored to be here. Honored to be here. Thank you. So one question right off the bat that we, we just really want to hear from you is how did you get involved in children's ministry? I got involved in children's ministry the way that everybody gets involved in children's ministry is I got tricked. So basically, <laughs> that's, that's how it happens, right? It's like no one, no one signs up to be a kid's pastor. They all, everybody gets tricked into it, and God in his providence does that well. And so... Uh, Basically, what happened was I, I my, you know, uh, I felt the call to ministry from the time I was like 12, 13 years old. And uh, I sort of, you know, I was a little nervous about it. And, and you know how kids are, you know, you don't want to be like your dad. And my, my father was a pastor. My grandfather's a pastor. And so I, I want to do my own thing. I want to chart my own course. And so I, um, I sort of resisted that a little bit. But it was, it was in Bible college. My dad made me go for a year. He said, you can do whatever you want, but you have to go for a year. So I went. I ended up going four years. And... Uh, and it was in that I got hired uh, by um, by uh, a church that I had known well, and I became really good friends with the, the pastor's son. And um, they were looking for a youth pastor, so I moved across the country from Portland, Oregon, all the way to the other side of New York. And uh, when I got there, I was helping out with the youth ministry. Everything was going well. They said they needed help with kids ministry, which I didn't mind doing because I'd done that since I was like 13 years old or so. Uh, and so then, but I started helping with kids ministry too. But then it was about a month into, into my job that uh, one of the elders sat me down and explained to me that I was in charge of all the children's ministry in the church, all the events, everything. I, that was my, that was why I was hired. And I, I had no idea. I was pretty upset for a yeah, little bit, that, honestly. At that point, yeah. At that point you can't afford the U-Haul back either. So yeah, you may as no. well give it a try. 
It was. And I had to pray. I just prayed. I said, God, if this is what you want me to do, you have to give me a passion for it because I just, I want to be a youth pastor, you know, and uh, youth pastors are just cool. You know, they're just cool. And everybody loves youth pastors and kids faster and kids pastors are, are, are forgettable in, in a lot of ways, you know, and uh, that's what I tell people. I like, if you can make it, uh, if you can make it past the first year, uh, if you, you know, in kids ministry uh, with your ego intact, then you're not called to be a kids pastor because kids can kids have a unique way of crushing your ego. That's exactly and, right. And and they they do that well. Well, we like well. we like so. to think that we like to think that God's going to change the world from the children's wing of the church. So we're so yeah. glad to have so glad to have you with us. So so we're living in we're living in the COVID nineteen world. Uh, we want to kick this our time off together. Recently, Francis Chan said, you know, we shouldn't just go back to the to the church as usual life as usual and then he went on to say what if ask what if god is taking us to a different place so so what do you think of this idea that covid-19 may have exposed the church's dependency upon our assumptions of the past yeah i i, I think so i mean i think i think honestly i mean in in i mean any there's there's so many things about this this whole situation that's so awful and hard and difficult and not good but i think we always have to realize is okay if god is in control of all things if he sees all things and this isn't a, this isn't like a surprise to him then how how is he at work in this to glorify himself and work through the church and, and strengthen the church and and i think in some ways it's it's a gift in that it's it's a reboot you know what i mean of uh, and gets us out of this cycle of events and things like that are just like it's so easy in kids ministry it's wave it's it's sunday after sunday it's like this wave that continues to crash that you you don't have time to think beyond how do i recruit volunteers yeah you know and you go to any kids ministry conference and that's what that those are the those are the breakouts that are packed it's you know how do you recruit volunteers how do you how do you retain volunteers what are some creative ways to to do these things but it's what it's i think it's forcing us to do is to say okay what is the most important thing and how can we use this 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 time alone with god to reform our own loves but then at the exact same time how do we use it lord to to do ministry in a different way and um and yeah and and so i think that is i think that's the big change that's going to come is is how do what do we measure because i think some people aren't going to learn that lesson uh, because I, you know, I've seen different articles where people are saying that church growth is happening during, during the COVID crisis. And I'm like, you can't measure church growth by a click in 60 seconds of view time. Like mm. it can be a catalyst for church growth, but that that's a bigger discussion about what the church is, I think. So, yeah. So this whole, this whole idea of reflection and learning and asking ourselves questions in the season. So uh, the organization I'm a part of, so at, here at Awana, uh, we've been doing research for several years now. So we've done four research projects since two 2013, two of them in 2019. And one of the key takeaways uh, from our time of learning has been that we fear that the children's ministry community may have placed too much emphasis on things that don't contribute to long-term discipleship. So what do you think about that idea? I think uh, I think it's totally right. I think the the trap that we've fallen into in kids ministry is that we measure the wrong things. 
because of wrongly ordered loves within our own within our own lives like we love self we love success we love likes we love to be we love fans more than we love disciples fans are easy fans and followers and likes and clicks those are all easy because they're clean there there's no there's no messiness of life that discipleship entails and so the problem is is that when that is our goal right then what happens is we measure how many people are following us rather than the well-being of those that we're that we're entrusted with mm. and the, the 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 problem is right is that when we measure success by a numerical number of how many people are showing up the problem is that we try what we'll do is that we'll 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 try to answer that that metric or we'll try to grow that one metric by by doing more things to bring more people and more people is not i mean we of course we want to reach everybody in our city we of course we want to reach everybody in the world but the problem is is what are we reaching what are we drawing them to right if we're just gathering a crowd that isn't discipleship just getting them to show up is important but it's not discipleship discipleship is when the loves of their lives have been reordered in such a way that their that their life changes as a result of it mm. it's 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 bible reading bible memorization all those things aren't what make you a disciple those are what disciples do mm. and i think when we when we when we for, when we when we, we we fail to understand like when paul says when he's talking to the galatians i think it's so powerful he says this he says that the thing that's so powerful about you is that is that you know God, he said, or rather that you have been known by God. And I think the thing that we have to make sure that when we measure uh, success in discipleship, that we do it in such a way that we, that we ask ourselves this, is, is how well are we tracking the loves of the lives of these kids as seen in the actions that they take? And so not, not in just showing up, not just showing up. That's, that's one thing. Showing up is important. You know, but, but the thing is this, is what is it in their life that 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 models a rightly ordered love a love of god above all else a love of others before themselves you know and and what does that look like in practice so if i'm a, if i'm a kidman leader and, and perhaps i've not stopped to reflect on this like what would be a sign that i have allowed myself to be more interested in 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 gaining fans than building followers of jesus like, I don't, you know, I don't know what, I can't tell you what everybody's thinking, but I can tell you what I did wrong. And what I did wrong was I started from a place of what the first, I'd say eight to 10 years of, of, of my kids ministry um, time as a kids ministry pastor, I asked kids, did you have fun? Mm. And really what the, the, what I was asking them is, do you think what I did wasn't good? And do you think that I'm funny? And do you like me? was really, if I'm being honest with you, that's what I was really trying to get at is I would say like, Hey, I'm doing a good job. I'm making, I'm making a difference in the sense of kids like what I'm doing. They like me. Yeah. The, the better question is, is to ask kids is, is what do you think of when you think about God? Cause when you ask them what they think of, when they think about God, that that's, that's really telling in terms of what they, what you formed God to be for them and, and what you've made God look like and what makes Jesus beautiful. Right. So what happened was about 10 years ago when things started changing my own life is I started to realize that the better question is not to ask, did you have fun? There's nothing wrong with fun. Fun is important. But the, the most important question is, what do you think of when you think about God? A more important question is, is who is Jesus? 
And did you see him clearly today? And did we speak of him in a way that you can see and understand? And, and when you leave our kids ministry, it's not, it's not just, did you, did you, do you have good memories of your small group leader? It's, is Jesus more beautiful to you today than he was when you were five? Than he was when you were six. And, and I think in some ways where, where kids ministry has gone wrong is that we've done two things. I think we have deified a small group leader and the role in their life, right? I think relationship is huge, but that person is not God to them. Their job is to point them to Jesus over and over and over again. If that isn't, if, if we say show up, but we don't say show them, show them Christ, then we're shortchanging kids and we're deifying small group leaders. And I think the other thing that we do wrong is that we have, we have come to the, we've come to this idea that we think that, uh, that if kids like church, that's, they'll stay in church forever. If we make church fun enough, if we infuse enough excitement into church, then we'll have lifelong disciples. And that's just not the case because they'll find things in their life that are more fun than church, that are more exciting than church. But if their heart has been captivated by the gospel, yeah. nothing else, every other love, this is every other love in their life will pale in comparison to the love of God in Christ for them. And that is what we have to show them. We call that uh, first allegiance. So a, a moment ago, a moment ago, you, you said the word measure. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit, this whole idea of, of what's effective. So here, here's a quick metaphor. So uh, I'm assuming your kids are approaching college age, at least in a few years, maybe, perhaps. Um, so let's you know, pretend you're about to drop your kids off at college. Um, and you want to know, like, what's your job placement rate? What's the academic institution's job placement rate, graduation rate, the GPAs, et cetera? You're going to ask this academic institution these types of questions, and they're going to be able to rattle off answers because their their very success is based off of being able to justify how good they are uh, at performing in those areas. So, so how much more foundational is this? What we're doing here with discipling and for uh, forming uh, the spiritual lives of children obviously it's the most foundational work that of the church so yeah. in our in our 2019 research in one of our projects we asked leaders children's ministry leaders specifically how carefully are you and your team tracking and measuring the success and impact of the overall children's ministry at your church yeah uh, any guesses you want to guess what they uh, uh said yeah i i I honestly, uh, attendance, I would say, uh, I mean, I think there's, there's not, I don't know if kids ministry leaders, again, think about that as much as they should. Yeah. yeah. So it, attendance was the number one thing uh, that they ranked, but out of a five point scale, when we asked them that question of how carefully are you tracking, measuring the success of your overall children's ministry, mm -hmm. out of a five point scale, it was just below average at, at a 2.9. Well, so, so why, why do you think this is, why, why is it that we don't really know exactly what to measure and we don't really seem to track it? Uh, like if, to be completely honest, and, and this is a, a conversation that I think has to happen outside of the kids ministry world, uh, that the people that lead outside of kids ministry have to hear, because I think part of the problem in kids ministry is that we are reflexively measuring what our pastors and leaders are telling us is most important. It's a great conversation. And so the problem is, is that kids ministry leaders feel 
they feel that they, they get into the job that they do because they love children. Uh, but what they do is they don't know how to, they like to teach kids. But I think what happens is that when, when, when their boss or their executive pastor, or whoever it is above them says, Hey, there needs to be, there needs to be 50, you know, we need 50 more people at, at, uh, at VBS this year than we had last year. The question is, uh, most people are, they're new to kids ministry. They're, they're all these different things and they, they don't, they don't have either the, 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 relational capital to push back. They don't have the, the, even the, the sense in which they need to push back and they, they don't say, well, why is that important? And what are some other measurements that we can throw into the mix to make sure that we know that this, this, this event is even worth doing The question isn't, do we need 50 more people coming to our, our VBS? The question is, is, is our VBS worth doing? This is a, a kind of a tough question. Very yeah. much an on-the-nose question, but so Kidman, is, is Kidman as we know it, is it working? No, that's a great question, man, honestly. It, it's a question that we don't ask well enough. And like when, when you know, just as you're asking that, it's, we don't ask that well enough because I think what we, have, what, we, what we do is we do what we've seen. And honestly, um, the thing that is... Uh, I think that we have to fight against in, in, in the church in general, but in kids ministry in particular, because we're talking about that is this whole idea this whole pragmatic approach to ministry. If it works, it's good. And to me, I just don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that the question, the primary question we ask is, is it successful? Is it working? The question we need to be asking is, is it true? Is what we're saying true? And, and that's a better, I think, diagnostic tool to say, like, are the things that we're proclaiming true? Because if they are, even, uh, and, and, and even in the years when I was, when I was like trying to be more of a, 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 a recreational director that also taught the Bible, you know, the first few years of my kids' ministry career, I, I realized the grace of God that was there, that the gospel was proclaimed in a way that it might not be as clear and it might not have been so you know, so precise in the way that we try to do it now. You know, we want our, our leaders to understand the gospel so that they preach to our kids. But is kids ministry working? I think in some ways it is. And I think in some ways, honestly, um, it's not, man. And I think we have to be honest about what's not working. And, and that's not just in the numerical success of what we see, you know, is we have to ask ourselves is, is what we are doing producing something that is lasting. And, and I think as of right now, I think in general, you know, when you look at statistics and that kind of thing, it's, they're saying like 70% of kids or whatever walk across, walk away from church. But honestly, I think those 70% of kids, I think a lot of them never were ever truly saved. They were just inside a church building and are no longer inside one. Mm -hmm. And so I think what we have to ask ourselves is what do we need to do to make people not just feel uh, like I have to go to church, but what are we doing to make kids love the God of the Bible as he's revealed himself? So one of the, one of the conversations you and I've had uh, through email direct messaging is this whole idea that we, we need to move from kids ministry to a more clearly defined target, which is totally child discipleship. So, yeah. uh, so how, how would you define child discipleship what, what do you see as the key distinctives of child discipleship 
No, and that's totally true, Matt. I think honestly, like I think we have to move away from like just creating a place for kids to come when their parents are in church to how can we as the church and, and honestly, Matt, like I, I don't know if yeah, I just you know here, just being honest with you. Here's the thing: is is I I love this whole idea of parents are the primary disciples of the of of the kids, and we need to be championing that and saying that. But I think in some ways, honestly, the church has gone so far that direction that we have failed to be disciplers of kids that are coming, right? So we have to hold that truth in tension. It's not just parents are the primary disciplers, and 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 I think it's honestly produced like a, a small degree or even a large degree in some senses of laziness within us. We say, well, parents should be doing that. All I got to do is print color pages and they'll do it. Our job is to model for parents what discipleship looks like. Our job is to disciple kids whose parents don't come to church. Like if, if we're not discipling them, that some kids are not going to be discipled. And, and even in our, on our best day, like even when you're crushing it, you're getting 25% of parents discipling their kids. So what about those 75% of those kids? Yeah. We have to disciple them. And so uh, I think what it is, is I think how I would measure discipleship is this, is our kids growing in their knowledge of God that can be measured in that way. Like, and are they growing in their love for God? And are they growing in their right understanding of God as revealed himself through his word? And so for us, how we measure that, how we measure that is we have them, we want our kids to be generous in their time and actions towards others. We think that there's, if, if you're generous, that is, an, that is an indicator that you are not enthroned in the center of your own world. We want our kids to memorize the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed. Those things are foundational because they talk about who God is. We want them to, we go through the catechism every year from preschool all the way through college. Every year we go through it, every Sunday we go through it because what we want our kids to understand is, I know that they're not gonna memorize all of them, but if they memorize the first question, the first question of the New City Catechism, which is the one that our church uses, is what is my only comfort in life and death? And the answer is I am not my own, but I belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. If they memorize that, and that's the only question they memorize, what happens is that they're going to have an, a foundational understanding that I'm not the center. I am not an owner. I, am, I belong to Christ. And that produces comfort in times of fear that produces a sense of humility in times of success. And what I think is, is this, is that when we, when we get kids on, uh, when we measure the right things in the right way and give, the, give parents the tools to encourage them to encourage the same things at home, so what happens is that we're going to get kids that think rightly about God, right? So I, I did a blog post a, little, a, few, a little while ago. It was like, what do you think of when you think about God? So I asked my youngest daughter, I was like, what do you think about when you think about God? And you know what she said? I didn't know what she was going to say. She was six. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know what she was going to say. You know what she said? She said, I think about how good he's been to me. Mm. And like when she said that, I just, I was so moved you know, that a six-year-old would say that. Yeah. And what that says to me is that our church is discipling our kids. Yeah. In, the, in that response, I hear God's goodness, but I also hear intimacy. Not just that he's good, but that he's been good to me. Right. That's a very, that's a very big thing for a six-year-old to, to begin to grasp. So a couple of key mm -hmm. words you said there. Yeah. You, you said growing in the knowledge and the right understanding, which we would call that. We put that kind of in the believe bucket. And you yep. also said generous with your time. We would put that in the become bucket. Right. Uh, but there's, then there's this relational component, which has to For do sure. with 
with disciple makers who exude belonging. So Christian Smith, yeah. and Christian Smith, I'm sure you're obviously very familiar with his work. In his book, Souls in Transition, he says basically that there's no single factor that can produce disciples. disciples. Instead, it's this combination of three factors coming together, which he, he labels as relationships, Bible reading and prayer, and experiences. Right. And we call those belonging, believing, becoming. But I yeah. want to specifically talk a little bit about that relational component um, in, in a post-Christian culture and in, in a secular culture, uh, we, we really see this idea of having, having someone that I can identify as a real human being, as a disciple being yeah. who I know loves me as being very important, totally. especially in a world of confusion, right? Where we don't even know what male and female means anymore for, for, no, for totally. a child, being, what's being communicated to them. So talk, talk about how important is it that our children's ministries be built to where a child can get to know an adult who loves and cares for them. Totally. I think, um, I think it's huge. And I, th I think the thing is, is I, I, you know, having another person in your life other than your parents that are, that are saying what your parents are saying is so important. And I think, uh, but here's, here's what I would say too. Like I, something that I don't think we talk about enough in kids ministry is we talk a lot about like volunteers and, um, but, I think the age of your volunteers is incredibly important too. Cause I think in this whole relational component, like you need young kids, like you need teenagers, you need college age kids because younger kids look up to those kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so you need that relationship in that way. But you know what we also need is we also need like seniors yeah. to help volunteer in kids ministry because they kids need to see someone who has been through the storms of life and has, has walked through those storms and and Jesus is still okay. Is still good to them. That Jesus is still their 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 father. They still love Jesus despite having gone through the Great Depression, despite gone through you know uh, the difficulties of the '60s and the '70s and the turmoil in those in those decades. Jesus is still their hope and their joy. Mm. And we need that relational thing that only comes from relationship. You can only transmit like because we don't want again. Like I think. Uh, it's so important for us. You know, I talk a lot about like memorizing these things. And, and again, for us, it's not so much about like how much, you know, like those things are important because it, because it, it, it paints a picture for us what God is like. But the, but the reality is this, is that you cannot memorize your way to a relationship with Jesus. It is, it is when the loves of your life have been reformed. Like we have to get back to this, I think, understanding in kids ministry, uh, this Augustinian understanding of the, the, the reason why there is, there is, there is like this, this unsettledness within kids is because they have disordered loves. They love themselves more than they should. They love the wrong things more than they should. And, and this is what Augustine says at the beginning is that, that his order, the love, he said at the very beginning of his, of his, of his confessions and at the very end, he said that, that the problem in his life was not, was a lot of things. And he was blatantly honest, which is, crazy for someone to do uh who is the you know who was such an important bishop at the time and he said that the, the reason for all of these things was because the loves of my life were disordered and when when kids when we train our kids through relationship when they see someone who has rightly ordered loves there's like that person's different there's something different about that person and so relationship is not the cure to discipleship it's the person in whom they have a relationship with who has rightly ordered loves that's the important thing so they yeah. see that person they say there's something different about that guy what is it and it's because god is primary and everything else is secondary and as him being primary 
every, every other love finds its proper place when the love for Christ is put in, put but first. The, but the power in that, so when you do have that disciple maker who does mm-hmm. have his or her uh, affection uh, rightly ordered, what totally. the power and the, in, and the impact they can have in the lives of kids is just truly amazing. And it makes you wonder how many, how many of those quote-unquote volunteers realize the influence that they have. And makes yeah. me, we, need to, we need to cast a bigger vision to them so that they can fully sure. grasp the impact they can have on the lives of countless kids. Sam, what I love about our time together, uh, you talked about the knowledge and the understanding combined with their love, the love and affections of children. And I think that's so important. Um, mm. is that we talk a lot about the year 2050 and that our job as Kidman leaders is to prepare today's kids to lead the church and engage the culture of the year 2050. And I just love sure. that idea of equipping them with everything they need to do the good work of the of living out the gospel and ordering their love and affection toward Jesus. That's going to help build the resilient disciples uh, who engage the culture and lead the church in 2050. Thanks for, thanks for your time. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making the podcast happen. And thank you for listening. I'll talk to you on Thursday.